Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Katie B. Happy on with us. She has always taken inner transformation seriously and with a healthy dose of humor. Uh, but when she woke up in 2015 with Bell's palsy and couldn't move the right side of her face, her spirit took a giant pause. So I'm excited to talk to you today, Katie, and um, introduce people to your story. So thanks for coming on. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited to get into the details and, and get to know you too. Yeah. So I would love to start kind of um, right off the bat, you know, talking about yoga and how you first, you know, were interested in yoga and how that kind of came into your life. I think yoga for a lot of us started in the fitness realm, like, oh, let me just go for movement modalities. But very quickly, I found that unlike other movement modalities, this gave me an emotional release, unlike something that I hadn't experienced. I was never a team sports person. I wanted very so desperately to be. <laughs> I couldn't. I had two left feet. I tried everything, like a year of every sport. And I feel like yoga was the first place where as an individual experience, it gave me the athletic feeling I wanted in the beginning and also this connection to something a little bit deeper. So I started after my first breakup when I was like 18, you know, so heartbroken and, and getting into pigeon and stretching it out. And it's evolved in so many different facets, of course, as we all do. But the practice itself, I always like to say it's like brushing your teeth. You don't see the cavities being removed, but when you brush them, you're trusting that you're preventing cavities. It's the same thing with like yoga every day. I don't want to like brush my teeth all the time. I don't want to do yoga every day, but I know that by showing up, I'm preventing me losing my shit or like going off, or it's like that preventative medicine for the cavities that can build up in my head and my heart. Yeah. I love that analogy. And that's so true. Cause I mean, just today I skipped my yoga practice this morning. I was like, Oh, I don't have time, you know, but I totally, totally do, you know? And sometimes it's just that, that sitting down and knowing like, I mean, I'm not going to probably skip brushing my teeth, but you know, again, do you want to do it every day? No, but it's great in the end. So I love that. Um, now, are you also a personal trainer? Cause I saw you do some hit workouts and some other style of workouts as well. Yeah. I, I love movement of all sorts. So I'm a personal trainer. I've been doing full-time movement coaching for about 15 years. And I took a big shift from, I was an international business major to wanting to kind of save the world through humanitarian efforts. I worked for United Way. I worked for Susan G. Komen. And I started to realize that as I was coaching at like in my early twenties, the change I was looking for in that 60 minutes that I had someone was so amazing because I could feel from minute one to minute 60, there was real change happening in the person. And that was all of a sudden the ripple effect that I wanted to keep making instead of trying to get $5 per paycheck to help support breast cancer foundations and all these things, which is a wonderful cause. It just felt more clear to me to be able to give someone that immediate experience. And it was really gratifying. And that's kind of how it evolved. I'm a personal trainer for sure, but I really try to incorporate working in and working out together because we can always sweat, but like the shell is going to end like this flesh suit that we're in, it doesn't last. And so how can we also be motivated from the inside out to be the best person that we can? Now, I think part of like Katie be happy is a joke. It's I'm a crass Jersey girl that's sarcastic and I moved to <laughs> California. <laughs> so I am not, I am not happy every day. And that's kind of my thing too, is like, I think one out of every three days I can genuinely say, oh, I'm happy today. But most days I'm just trying to create purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm happy. 
I'm just trying my best to create purpose and meaning. And I think so far in my 34 years on this world, I've, I've felt like I can do that every day versus try to be happy every day. Mm-hmm. Is that how, did you kind of give yourself that nickname to, to get yourself to be like, okay, I'm going to be happy. Or how did that kind of come into your life? So, you know, born in the eighties, there's a lot of Katie's and I grew up as Katie B and it kind of flows like a lot of people, Katie B, Katie B. And when Facebook came out and I was the, you know, one of 14,000 Katie B's, I decided that Katie B happy would be a fun thing to find. And it was very serendipitous because I had just moved from Jersey to California and everyone was like, Whoa, you're so much. And you're very (laughs) negative. Like you're too much. And it just felt funny to say, Hey, I'm Katie, be happy when people searched me. And then it just kind of stuck. It's like an, it has a ring to it. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. (laughs) Well, I want to kind of go into a little bit deeper with your story and the facial paralysis and, you know, what is kind of that journey and how did that kind of come into your life? I was what I would call the peak of my yoga career and almost the egotistical peak. Mm. I was teaching full-time 600 students a week in and out of different festivals, teaching all over the world. And I hit like uh, the wanderlust circuit. So, you know, in the Western yoga, that's like the cover of yoga journal kind of feeling the, the atypical Western yoga. I think I was 27 or 28 and I hit it that summer and it was wonderful. It was something that I was working towards really hard. And then about two weeks after the event, I woke up with my face paralyzed. And not just like, oh, you know, something feels funny. I thought at first, because I had had a Bloody Mary the day before that maybe the salt was Mm. puffing. It was completely paralyzed. My eye was stuck open. My mouth was stuck open. Um, Nothing moved. It almost looked like a crazy, like stuck Botox job gone wrong. And my, basically what happens with Bell's palsy is there's a nerve that attaches to your C7 that goes through the bone in your right side skull, it essentially fires to all of the nerves in the right side of your face. So the nerve becomes inflamed. Many things can cause this. Western world says stress, which, you know, when we're in dis-ease of any sort, when our body's out of alignment, stress causes inflammation. Um, Eastern world says same thing, stress, but like you have to cool and calm the, the, the chi so that you have more blood. Um, but realistically, when you go to a Western doctor, they look at you and they say, well, you know, my guy said you have an 80% chance of getting your facial function back. And it was like a Monday morning in August, 27 years old. And I look at this doctor, I'm like, you said, I have a 20% chance of not having my facial function back. And so sometimes it can, it could be an accident that causes it. Cause it's C7. It could be like a bad chiropractic. You know, I got all in my head about headstands, who knows? But when it really comes down to it, it's inflammation. And we know that any part of each of us, based on your environment, your genetics, everything you eat, everything you're exposed to, it's like the perfect storm of what causes these things like cancer, like Bell's palsy, it's inflammation at its base. And so to to get lost in the why would spiral me a little bit out of control, but I was paralyzed for about six months. And it sucks because you have to hold your eye or you have to close your eye with your hands or do the eye drops and food and drink falls out of your mouth. If you don't keep it closed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How did you regain mobility? Did you, do you do like PT for that? 
So in all of the ways that I was working out and moving my body physically, I like supplemented those hours with acupuncture and rest Mm. and some people spontaneously heal. So since I've had it, obviously I know a lot of people with it now, but about 40,000 people in America every year get it. George Clooney's had it. Angelina Jolie's had it. So it's not like people go into hiding when they have it because it's very, your face looks really disfigured. Um, 80% of people get function back. So that's a great thing. But here I am at this superficial peak of my career. And all of a sudden I can't move my face. I can't smile. And I have big horse teeth. So like, even the fact that I couldn't move my mouth was really freaking people out. Mm. Um, so when I had this moment of like, okay, what do I do next? They said, here's some steroids, hope for the best. It should heal. You're healthy. You're young. But like, what does that do to someone's mind, right? You've got no control in a world where we always want control, even though we don't have it. It's just so hard to like assume what's going to heal it and not. So I just went into the reverse of what I was doing, like acupuncture, relaxation, nothing that caused acid in the body. So no alcohol, coffee, no excessive working out, just tried to really pull everything back to see if maybe I could reset. The funny part is though, I think it was just going to heal in its own time, no matter what I did, mm-hmm. you know, Gosh, I don't think was- I could force it. Is this something that you're at greater risk for, you know, having it happen again, you know, once it's happened once, or how does that kind of work? It's a good question. I think like 50% of people get it again. It's really when your immune system's low and Western medicine mm. is kind of like a virus that you can recatch like chicken pox. Mm. So you've had it once you built the immunity, but if you're really bad and don't treat yourself well, it could potentially come back. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but it happens to like pregnant women and older people, like when the immune system's low, it's just the nerve gets inflamed and there's no, there's not a lot of research on it because pe- so many people heal from it. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, like, I don't know a ton about that. So thank you for you know sharing your journey with that. Um, you know, I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit. Cause one of the things, you know, when I was looking at some of the stuff that you do, and, um, I love that you infuse kind of your personality and humor when like on Instagram, like you had a tutu on and like one of the workouts. And I love that. And I think that sometimes like in the yoga and the spiritual community, like that, like letting your playfulness out, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, I don't know. Are they a serious person? So how does you kind of, cause I'm also like, I have a sense of humor as well. And I like to infuse humor into things, but like, sometimes people are like, well, can we take them seriously? How did you kind of get over that hump of like, this is me. I'm just going to like, let me out. Mm. So my mom died when I was 14 of breast cancer. She was only 43. Oh my gosh. And it, I was really, obviously it was the worst moment of my life so far, but the, actually it was the most transformational because I got to be with her. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously a lot of people die every second, 1.8 people stop breathing. And the fact that I got to be by her bedside as the cancer took her last breaths, there was something that happened like so she was all morphined up. So the breaths are a little bit slower and we all knew it was coming sitting by her bedside. And all of a sudden she takes one big breath in and then one exhale. And then that's it. And it was just such a weird sensation. Like this beautiful woman who is my mother, who is a 43 year old, badass alpha female, like all of a sudden just exhaled. And that was it. So there was something that was shook inside of me as a young girl. I was already like fun and flamboyant, like kind of 
theatrical, if you would. But when I saw that happen, I was like, whoa, this is all we get. We just, Mm. it's an exhale. That's the finale. That's what this is. And so it instilled something inside of me to live every day. Like it was our last Mm. sometimes in my younger years, that was self-destructive. And now it's more of a mantra that, like I said earlier, whether it's not trying to be happy every day, because that's not my natural state, but to create purpose and meaning out of the things that we do. And so that the fun stuff that you see on Instagram is just me trying to bring lightness in a, in a situation or a world that isn't always so light. And in yoga, we can often be, you know, I teach in India at the International Yoga Festival, which is very traditional. I am by far the most Western, let's call it. Um, and there's all these ancient traditions, you know, Kundalini Gurmuk is there. And then there's wonderful Iyengar, um, HS Arun, who is the direct descendant, right? Of Iyengar. All of these great teachers are there so formal and awesome, but even within their, their formality practices, no matter what lineage it is, there's still play Mm -hmm. like in their own way. HS Arun is so um, comical in his, he has like these one-liners. Gurmukh is, a, do you know, are you familiar with Gurmukh? She's the head of the Golden uh, Bridge in Los Angeles, which is the head Kundalini center. She's got like the white garb on her head. Anyway, yep. you would think that these people are super official and spiritual, especially being at this festival, but she's playful. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is play in yoga because that's what it is. It's mm-hmm the unification of all good parts of us. And some days I'm crying in half pigeon and some days I'm flowing through asana. And some days I'm just like, screw this. I want to hold a handstand for 30 seconds and and really push that fire in me. But there's, there's opportunity for all of that in what we do in yoga and in, and in workout because life's too short. And so seeing my mom have that experience and I was so blessed to really actually see someone's last breath. I hope everyone gets that at some point in their life. Um, It just like, it stirred something in me where I was like, we have to be, we have to take these breaths more seriously. Mm. Like we don't know if we're going to get another one. And that's where my company be inspired, got its name. Uh, The Latin root for the word inspired is inspira to inhale. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're, we're inspiring life and we're expiring life, inhaling and exhaling. And so to live a life that's inspired is we're savoring the inhale because we don't know when we're going to stop inhaling. Mm. Oh. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And oh gosh, like I, I, um, you know, I can't even imagine that at 14 and, you know, the lessons that you learned. And I, I think most people probably would also have the younger years of self-destructive and then, you know, coming full circle basically with it, where you are, you know, sitting with it and teaching and, you know, having that experience and helping others. Um, you know, kind of let go. And that's something else that I wanted to chat about is, you know, letting go, you know, you've, you've probably experienced that many times in your life, you know, by now, but how can people, you know, let go? Maybe it's a story they're telling themselves. Maybe it's a relationship they're having trouble letting go, but how can people kind of, you know, let it go? Yeah. That's like the time old question of, of life, isn't it? It's like, I think of frozen. I have a, I have an almost six-year-old now and he loves frozen. And we saying, let it go a lot when that one came out. So that's awesome. (laughs) I, you know, I think one of the chapters in my book, so there's eight chapters, I call it eight tools for the puffy eyed and powerful at the end of one is about the ultimate letting go about choosing faith over fear. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and instead of 
LFG, like let's, I don't, can I curse? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, like let's fucking go. Instead it's let fucking go, like LFG, that's the name of the chapter. It's the time in my Bell's palsy where I desperately, desperately was manifesting or so I was calling it, but realistically mm -hmm. I was trying to force my own end game on the universe. So we can manifest all we want, but realistically we have no control. And so I was like forcing my NGPS point on the universe. Please let my face be fixed by this wedding. You know, it was two weeks into the paralysis and it wasn't happening. And one of the big things about this moment of like letting go is the whole time I was, I was clenching my fists. I was waiting for this moment to happen. I was putting all of my emotional energy into healing, but like with clenched fists and when I finally realized that by me doing that, by me trying to force my own end game, by me trying to expect a certain result, all I was doing was stressing myself. No one else was feeling stressed from that. You know, the universe isn't stressed if I'm feeling that, or maybe in a relationship, if you do that with your partner or a business partner or a friend, you're the only one that's, that's getting hurt by this forced feeling. I like to think of the analogy of, you know, if you hold a fistful of sand, when you clench the sand, it falls through your fingers. But if you hold it with an open palm, it sits nicely. So I decided just, I was so sick of being angry at myself in the universe that I just had to let go and let the healing happen when it was supposed to not trying to force my own agenda on it. Now my healing didn't happen when I wanted it to. And especially after I let go, it didn't have the end date, but what changed was my relationship to the stress. When I had the, when I, finally just surrendered and said, I'm not in the driver's seat right now. I don't have control, but I can do things every day that I think are helping me heal. Then all of a sudden the stress that I felt on my shoulders about me feeling like I had to do something or could do something more, it was just lifted. And I was like, it was almost a, you know, I'm not um, God spiritual, but I feel like there's a, a spiritual quote of like, God, take the wheel, you know, something yeah. like that just these, we all have these defining moments in life where you can try your best and try your best, but we will be on our knees at the end and finally have to surrender to whatever that the stress or the anger is you're holding on to. And in time, if we sit at rock bottom cafe enough, if we often adventure to the bottom of where we thought we couldn't go, we always know that we can get back up. So it's the courage to have faith over fear. Like, okay, I'm petrified that my face is not going to heal. I'm petrified that I won't get my smile back and my eye will be stuck open the rest of my life. And can I choose to have faith in the fact that if I am stuck like this, there's a point to it. Or can I have faith that it'll heal when it's supposed to, as long as I'm able to just let go and enjoy what's given right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, it's not like, bam, I made that decision and, oh, I felt better. It's a daily practice of knowing that we're not in control as much as we think we are. And it's almost freeing. Like, okay, I know that I can only do so much. And then from here, it's in something else's hands, whether it's your partner's hands, if you've put in the request, whether it's God's hands, if you're in like praying for something. Um, but letting go is the ultimate practice of getting out of your own way because no one's stuck in your head the rest of your life, but you. So you have to make it like a nice place to live in. Yes. Oh, that, um, that like the other day I just pulled a card. I was telling one of my clients, I was like, Oh, I just woke up and I was very much in my head. I was just cranky and crabby. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my luteal phase. And then I'm like, okay, let me pull a card. 
pulled this card and it was like, I am my own weaver. And it was all about like the stories you tell yourself and you're weaving your own reality. I'm like, of course, of course, this is the card I pull to remind myself, like I'm doing this to myself right now. Like there's nothing that was like, you know, I was, you know, really upset about it. It was just, I had a bad, bad mood. And so I'm like, oh yeah, let me, let me flip this around and let me do the practices. I know that I can do spend less time on social media for the day, yoga nidra, you know, how can I connect back with myself and you know, the things that might pull me down farther, let me eliminate those for today. And then today I'm like, oh, great. I feel like myself again. And I feel balanced. So I think sometimes, you know, just having that like, okay, you know, there are certain things that we can control, you know, just as you had said. And so we don't get stuck in our own stories. And then sometimes we spiral further down than we need to. hundred percent. One of the things that I want to, um, I know that in your book, you chatted about, uh, is talking about sitting with people's discomforts. So like, how do you suggest people to kind of sit with whatever they're feeling discomfort? You know, how do people kind of do that? So if you've ever been a gambler or like, you know, I like, I like some healthy blackjack or uh, <laughs> poker when I'm at, at a casino of some sort. And you know, that if you have $10 worth of chips, versus a thousand dollars worth of chips, you're more willing to bet when you have more money, you've got more chips. So you're going to bet and have a little bit more fun when you're down to like 10 bucks. It's a little scary. Do I get off the table or whatever? It's the same with the things that we do every day. I am. I like to imagine like the little things that we do in life, our habits, our chips, and we're building up our success bank. And so if, if this morning I woke up and I drank my 40 ounces of water before I had caffeine, I, um, got my stretches in. I did my 10 minutes before I looked at my screen, you know, these little things that I know help reset me that all of a sudden they're like adding more chips mm. to my bank, my success chips. There are days when I don't listen and I've, you know, I go for the, the self-sabotage stuff and that's okay. Those just kind of, you know, take away. If I do 51% good things, in a day versus 49% bad things, then I at least have a little bit more to, to bet on tomorrow that I'm still building into my success bank. It's not asking us to be perfect. Um, it's just asking us to do enough good things in the day for us that make us proud when we go to sleep. Now, the reason I say this is because when we get really low, like when I broke up with my partner who I thought I was going to marry, he, he didn't want the same future that I did. Like, in those moments, it took me years to, to get out of what that was, but because I had been building my success chips, knowing that I'm worthy, knowing that I know how to get myself up, knowing the practices that made me feel more whole. It doesn't mean that I wasn't heart wrenched, gut wrenched, torn apart, all of those things. It just means that I had more to bet on. I had, I had more to pull from in my bank. You know, every day we don't know the little stuff that we do is adding up to a really big difference. The tiny things that we do until something huge happens and it either ruins you or it, it kind of, it pulls you down to rock bottom cafe. You're in that discomfort, but there's still this like innate knowing it's still going to be okay. I just don't, I don't feel okay now. I don't know when this is going to end, but I know in myself that I've put the tools in play. I've set the placement so that I will be okay. Just not today. I mean, I think the pandemic definitely is a great example of that, of like the sitting in the discomfort. I mean, a lot of us 
have sat in discomfort for the last few years and got pulled down unexpectedly and, you know, and had to sit with our stuff. So I think that's a, a good sign of like, okay, how did I react? And you might've went down and then fixed yourself and got back up, or you might've just stayed down or you stayed up the whole time. You know, I know all sorts of different stories. And, um, I think a lot of that is, you know, those tools that you talked about and like, okay, what do I have? What tools can I rely on? And, you know, have I filled up my, my cup? Yeah. I feel like a lot of us are suffering from a, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but a COVID fatigue, if you would, where I'm just not as motivated. I'm just not as um, driven as I used to be. I'm not as excited about some of the stuff I used to be. And that really makes me, it's sad because, you know, I'm a motivator for my job, but at the same time, I'm a real human and it's a constant search for what is what's going right, of course, instead of what's going wrong, but what relights and re-sparks us. Because I think in every season of our life, we're going to change, whether it's seasonally in the month or the year, a lot of like what you talk about, or if it's literally seasonally, you know, you have a three-year upswing of overall, and then a two-year downswing, there's seasons for the good and the bad. And I think for COVID, for me, it was a pretty low swing. Everything that regrounded me was, uh, taken away. I have an international retreat business. And so obviously we couldn't do that. (laughs) And I was teaching 600 students a week. So then we didn't, you know, I was just teaching from my living room, very, very alone and single. Yeah. And so all the things that used to rebalance me, I had to rediscover what was still able to rebalance me. And I'm still, I'm still in it. Like things don't motivate me the same way, but it doesn't mean that they won't again, or new things won't either. I'm in the practice of being curious about what can motivate me, even though I don't know exactly what's that thrill yet for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I was going to open up a studio space, uh, a week basically before everything shut down here in Minnesota. And thankfully one of my clients who's a lawyer just was like, Hey, make sure it's ADA compliant. You know, I had my, the landlord check and that literally stalled it the week I needed because then COVID hit and I would have had the lease and I would have been like on a three-year lease. And that would have been horrible because there's no, I mean, people just aren't in person. And so I'm like, so lucky. And so I told her, I was like, thank you so much. Like I owe you a ton, you know, for just like that, that stall. But you know, that's where I'm like, I thought I was going to be having a studio space. Like that's where I was going to do. And I had already signed off on clients who didn't want to travel to St. Paul where the space was going to be. And so it was just like, let's pull this out and online we go. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of that is like, I think there's a lot of people who have, I was talking to someone the other day on the podcast and she had the exact opposite story of me. We both, you know, were set to have the studio space only she signed the lease and then the next week COVID hit. And so she was like, yeah, I've been in nice space twice. And I was on a lease for three years. And so, I mean, I think a lot of people were just all sorts of stories or people looking at their careers. I don't want this anymore. Like I want to, I want to completely change my life. And so, um, you know, that's a lot of it too, is sitting with that discomfort. Like what still gives me thrills and what do I want to change? Yeah. I feel like, especially with COVID, because we were stuck at home, we're just drowning in knowledge, but we're starving for wisdom. Like there's all these things inputting the news and social media and all this stuff. We're just drowning in all of people's opinions and, and knowledge, like information, but we're starving for wisdom. Like I think some people did COVID right where they got away and they were able to be more in nature and like slow things down. That is a positive of my life is I was able to really slow my schedule and, and cherish deeper relationships for sure. That's, 
a positive of that kind of innate wisdom that you get from having to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point. Cause I mean, everyone turned online and that's, I can see that through and through. Um, that's why my mom always like, Hey, if you need a break from like, you know, just scrolling, just take, take your time. Like, that's why I, I recommend, you know, right towards the end of the, like, you know, we all have those cranky days towards, you know, a couple of days before we bleed, we're like, yep, this is the day I need to get off social media and just stay off until you're done bleeding. And then you're going to have your insights. And cause that the bleeding time is when we get our wisdom. And so like having that time to actually trust ourselves and we're not, you know, consuming other people's ideas. And you can really be like, oh, wow, this is coming from me. This is my own inner wisdom right now. So, um, yeah, it's also the week that I, I avoid all alcohol and any real, uh, deep talks with, uh, like future talks <laughs> with my partner or like whatever, it's just a creative week, like you said, but I avoid yes. any serious conversation. Yes. I tell that all the time. I have friends who are like, I'm going to quit my business. I'm going to burn this down. I'm like, where are you at in your cycle? And they're always like, uh, right before I bleed. I was like, yep, nope. Just come back in a week. You'll be fine. And then yep. sure enough, they're like, okay, yeah, thank you. I'm like, I'm like, I go through the same thing. <laughs> like my husband knows he's like, um, are we fighting because like you really want to fight or are you just kind of just cranky? I was like, yeah, sir. Just yeah. <laughs> Reel it back in. I'm not going to make any big decisions. <laughs> You know, another thing that's really helped me in my like, you know, journey for purpose and meaning is giving back kind of integrating what I used to do with the nonprofits, but I take one of my traveling yoga retreats and I give it to cancer survivors for free. So every year I host a free retreat for cancer survivors down in Ensenada, Mexico, and it's completely free for 20 participants. And it's like a, an homage to my mom. It's also it's just so good for me to, to feel we get so stuck in our world sometimes and yeah. being around people who have a second lease on life or, or who are still in treatment um, on the brink or the edge of not knowing it just really resets who I am and what I'm doing. Mm. Cause I think COVID the longer I was in my living room, the smaller my world became. And I was always able to use travel as a reset and the smaller our worlds are, the less we are likely to give and open and love and, and know more. And so that it's been helping me a lot to do. I've done now three of them since COVID and seven total to just Amazing. like get into a space that I'm, I haven't been in in years because my mom died so early, but be around people going through treatment like that. Everything else in my world does not matter. All of my problems don't matter when you're around people who are going through something like that. Mm, that's Amazing. And where can people find information about that if they're listening and that might pertain to themselves? Yeah, it's, we accept applications all year. We host the retreat in January and October and my website is beinspired.life and all that information's on my Instagram too, Katie, be happy. Perfect. I'll make sure I put all that in the, the show notes as well. Well, I would love to kind of chat a little bit about your book and you know who you wrote your book for and a little bit more about um, you know what, what's in the book. So I originally wrote the book for a 25-year-old version of me, an avatar, let's say. I named her Ava. Uh, a girl who doesn't know her identity outside of her body. Mm -hmm. So she only identifies with the shell and not on the inside. And she knows that there's something there, but she doesn't know how to access it. And so it, you don't have to be just 25, obviously, to read the book, but that's who I was messaging. I was, I was speaking to the person who's looking to find a way to trust transition in their life and looking for someone who 
wants to identify with a deeper purpose and meaning and not so much on, on what's happening in the flesh suit. And so um, it applies to lots of people, but definitely people going through transitions. There's eight chapters. It's called Cheers to Chaos, Eight Tools for the Puffy-Eyed and Powerful. And it's just cheersing to the, the similar chaos that we all experience within one, each other. That these eight, at the end of each chapter, I give you like a, a journal question kind of thing. It's called, this is your Cheers to Chaos Challenge. It's called Action, where I tell you a story about my life. It's memoir style, but then it proves the theming and it asks you how to apply it to your life a little bit more. And so like we shared on that chapter three, LFG, about let fucking go. It's asking you things like where in your life are you actually holding on to tightly? Where are there places where you can choose a little bit more faith, even though it's uncomfortable? Where are you clinging on too tight to certainty in places that are uncertain? So it's giving you ideas to, to morph into your own life. And I, by any means, I am not a therapist. I never, I don't want to be one, although I love self-study. Um, I just feel like over time I've experienced some crazy things and my experiences could hopefully feel, make you feel less alone in your experience of your crazy or your chaos. Mm. And so by telling the stories, uh, many people, the feedback is that it's extremely honest and very funny and vulnerable and also deep. And that my honesty is shocking and that honesty helps people feel less alone in whatever they're going through too. Mm, I love that. And where can people find that Amazon or your website? Yep. Amazon. It's a, it's an audible. It's a four hour audiobook. I read it or there's a, um, it's on audible and it's on Amazon paperback or hardback. I think it's like 15 bucks. Perfect. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Um, is there anywhere else that people can connect with you at Instagram's your main place? Yeah. Instagram. I put a Monday mantra out and I work through a theme each week that I'm working on on myself. So on Thursday, I put out like a thoughtful Thursday email. Once I've worked through it all, I've said it like, you know, 20 times in my classes. So I, if you're into words, I love like the, the written word. So that's something that they can find also on my Instagram. It's on Be Inspired Life. You can subscribe to the email. But if you want to just start, like my recommendation is download my app. It's called Be Inspired and just do some like 15 minute stretches in the morning just start there. 15 minutes. I give you like a little mantra. It's like a meditation stretch. Ease in that way. And if you're really looking for the hit stuff, it's on there too. Yoga sculpt, hit workouts, any like from five minutes all the way to 40 minutes, you can hit anything, body type, pregnancy filter, lower body injuries. It's all there. But if you're really new, if you want to ease back into something, those 15 minute stretches are a great place to start to just check in with yourself every morning. I love that. And what's your app called? be inspired. Okay. Perfect. Make sure I have that written down too. All right. Well, I just have one final question for you. And when I have a guest on, I like to throw out a little weekly challenge and then I have the guest throw out the challenge for everyone this week. So what would you like that to be? So I was thinking that they could join me in my morning meditation process. So this is what I do and it's simple, but not easy. My alarm goes off and I hit the snooze button. So that it's 10 minutes. And I turn around and I do legs up the wall. <laughs> and in that legs up the wall, you have three questions. I call it the triple G's. The first is you lay there and you focus on one thing you're insanely grateful for. So maybe you think of your awesome six-year-old or your cat. You like think of something that you're super, super grateful for. And you let that feeling fill you up. So you just start your morning that way. Maybe like a minute or two. There's no time limit. 
The second G, so we went from gratitude to giving. Then you think of someone that you want to send love to because we're all big givers. And so it feels really good to think of one person. Maybe I think about my dad in Pennsylvania or my brother up in California. And I like, I send that feeling, that really grateful feeling. I give it to them. And then the last G is growth. And this is really critical as we're talking about success chips earlier in the podcast. I set one growth like success standard for the day. So on Sunday, I was feeling a little bit down. So my growth point was just, if I meal prep today, if I get that done, that's my growth point check. You get to congratulate yourself. On Monday, I was feeling a little bit more upbeat. So I was like, okay, if you get two pitches in to corporations for your app, that's a good day. And that's like a big venture for me. So that was my growth point, but you get one, you just pick one. So you get one growth point. And if you accomplish that, then you get to tell yourself it was a great day. So three G's. Think of something you're insanely grateful for. Give that feeling to somebody for a minute or two. Just think of them and send them that love. And then put one growth point in for the day where if you accomplish that, you promise to celebrate it and give yourself a little bit of celebration for just doing that because our checklist is never going to end. And then normally by the time that 10 minute snooze button or the alarm has gone off, then it's kind of hit. I've gone through the three G's, my legs up the wall. It helps you, you know, my Swami G says that if you do 20 minutes of legs up the wall a day, then you will add 20 minutes to your life. And he's 106. So oh my gosh, <laughs> like, all right. Right. I love that. I love that. Oh, and I love legs up the wall. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I have not I've not heard of that before. And that's a wonderful practice that people can do. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to do this. I'll probably do it in my office. Cause my husband gets up way later than I do. So I'm like, I'll just come down here and do that. But that's great. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. It's, it's something that I do every morning because it keeps me off my screen for 10 minutes. It makes me refocus on my goal for the day. And it fills me up with a good feeling to start the day. I like that. Cause sometimes, I mean, the goal thing, I'm like, look at my to-do list. And then, you know, you get overwhelmed or you're not even focused on like, you know, you have 10 things to do, but like, what is the most important thing? I think that's, that's really key, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you have 50,000 things that you want to get done every day. <laughs> so many things. It's so frustrating. Well, but it thank you. Yes, yeah. I know. Right. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today, Katie. Thanks for having me. It's been an awesome pleasure. Yeah. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.